Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events up to the minute. Also, Dr. Bob McClure is the CEO of the James Madison Institute. We'll be talking about the last legislative session. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author of some great murder mysteries. Jim will be joining us as well. It is May the 15th, and on this day in 1800, President John Adams ordered the federal government to pack up and leave Philadelphia and set up shop in the nation's new capital in Washington, D.C. After Congress adjourned its last meeting in Philadelphia on May the 15th, Adams took his cabinet to make sure uh, told his cabinet to make sure that Congress and all federal offices were up and running smoothly in their new headquarters by June the 15th, 1800. Philadelphia officially ceased to serve the nation's capital as of June the 11th. At the time, there was only 125 federal employees. Boy, isn't that wonderful? Official documents and archives were transferred from Philadelphia to the new capital by ship and overland waterways. President and Mrs. Adams did not move into the unfinished president's uh, mansion until November that year. Settling in the White House was a challenge for the new first lady. In December, Abigail Adams wrote to a friend later that she had a line dry her clothes in what eventually became the East Room. <clears throat> of course, no dryers at the time, but Certainly things were quite different in the, uh, in the Capitol and the White House in 1800. <clears throat> Excuse me. President Joe Biden ginned up racial tensions at the graduation ceremony at Howard University on Saturday, claiming that America's greatest threat comes in the form of white supremacy. I'm not kidding. He really said that. A race baiter, our president. Uh, chief race baiter in the United States. Biden gave the commencement address uh, for the historically black college and university HBCU at Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. In the speech, the president took a pessimistic view of America's fight against racism, claiming that is a battle that will never really be over. Then Biden told graduates to be on the guard for what he views as the greatest threat to our nation. A Democrat president also told, took a veiled shot at his opponent, former President Donald Trump. Now listen to this. This is his quote. Uh, let's be clear. There are those who don't uh, see you and don't want this future, Biden said. There are those who demonize and pit people against one another. And there are those who do anything and everything, no matter how desperate or immoral, to hold on to power. And that's never going to be an easy battle. Of course, it's a, that's a total self-description. That's autobiographical. He, he He's describing his own behavior and that of the Democrat Party. The president attempted to encourage the graduates by telling them that they represent the future of America, a future that showcases the strength of our diversity at the center of American life. Some Howard students in the crowd, however, didn't buy into it. They protested. Uh, a black child was lynched yesterday, one side read, referring to the death of Jordan Neely on New York subway earlier this month. <clears throat> and by the way, so that was uh, Chief Race Bader, uh, President uh, Biden at Howard University at the commencement speech. A legal defense fund for Marine veteran Daniel Penny as of Sunday has grown to $1.5 million five days after his lawyers started the campaign. Penny, who's 24, was arraigned on Friday on one count of second-degree manslaughter in connection uh, for putting a fellow New York City subway rider into what turned out to be a fatal chokehold in the subway car. Pro prosecutors said the victim, 30-year-old Jordan Neely, had been making threats and scaring passengers. The money for Perry is being raised on a Christian crowdfunding site, uh, Give, Send, Go. And, of course, this is just, again, uh, the attorney general in New York <clears throat> raising Cain again. He's... Uh, uh, what is his name? Alvin Bragg is uh, 
the one who's making these charges. Unbelievable. This is the guy that saved people on the subway, and they end up charging him with second-degree manslaughter. Former President Donald Trump announced that a tornado warning forced the cancellation of his Iowa rally. Thousands of people had already been assembled. But this is on Saturday, May the 13th, just before 1 p.m. Central Daylight Time, the National Weather Service issued a tornado warning for the many Iowa counties, including Polk County, where Trump's uh, rally was to be held. Uh, the tornado warning was to remain in effect until 7 p.m., the same day, time that Trump was scheduled to speak. Other Republicans, of course, have been expected to speak beforehand. As he announced his cancellation on, on True Social, Trump wrote, Stay tuned. We'll be rescheduling very soon. Be safe out there. The Des Moines event would have been Trump's second campaign stop. He appeared on March the 13th in Davenport, Iowa. Despite Des Moines being canceled, uh, Trump touted his success in Iowa. His campaign announced that he'd gathered endorsements from more than 150 elected officials and grassroots leaders in all 99 Iowa counties. The sports support signals his commanding position in the Hawkeye State, he said in his campaign. So uh, Trump had to cancel yesterday, but it was a safe thing to do, and he'll reschedule. <clears throat> House Republicans are delivering on their commitment to America agenda by passing a host of bills in roughly four months that they control the chamber by the slightest of majorities. This is so interesting. It took 15 votes to get uh, McCarthy into as the Speaker of the House. Uh, but this just highlights how well he's done in the just four short months since he's been majority leader. When formally unveiling the agenda at the event in Pennsylvania, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said in a GOP-led House would vote to eliminate Federal funding for up to 87,000 new internal revenue services, which was part of the Democrats' $780 billion Inflation Reduction Act. The Democrat bill has been passed without Republican votes through budget reconciliation. The House passed the bill repealing the additional IRS funding shortly after the new session of Congress began in January. Their agenda, drafted in uh, September 2022, called for advancing parents' bill of rights and defending fairness by ensuring that only women can compete in women's sports. The GOP-led House later passed bills that would implement a parents' bill of rights and prevent biological men or transgender women from competing in women's uh, sports. The conference also vowed to crack down on prosecutors and district attorneys who refuse to prosecute crimes, like Alvin Bragg. The House later passed a bill to block a local Washington, D.C. crime bill that included lower penalties for such crimes as robberies and carjackings. That me measure also passed the Senate and the President Biden signed it into law. The House GOP agenda included a section related to uh, securing the U.S. border and combating illegal immigration. Last week, the House passed a bill to beef up border security by continuing construction of the physical barriers at open areas of the U.S.-Mexico border, enhancing technology at the border, and resurrecting the Trump era remain in Mexico policy. The measure passed shortly before Title II expired on Friday. The expiration of the federal rule activated by Trump's administration at the start of the pandemic as a public health emergency measure is expected to bring a surge of migrants to the southern border, although... It hasn't happened. There has been a surge, apparently, by some news, according to some news outlets. House Republicans, who have a 222 to 213 seat majority, <clears throat> also passed a bill that would increase domestic energy production and reform the permitting process, which was a key part of the commitment to America agenda that party leaders rolled out before they took control of the chamber. Maximize production of reliable, cleaner, American-made energy and cut the permitting process in half uh, to uh, reduce rely reliance on foreign countries, prevent rolling blackouts, and lower the cost of gas and utilities, said the agenda. Under the uh, fight inflation and lower the cost of living part of the agenda, GOP set out to curb wasteful government spending that is raising the price of groceries, gas, cars, and housing, <coughs> growing our national debt. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> As part of the bill passed that would raise the debt limit by $1.5 trillion, House Republicans included reverting back to fiscal 2022, or just five months, spending level, and limiting domestic spending growth by 1% annually. The bill also included the elimination of a series of green tax credits that Democrats passed last December without Republican votes through budget reconciliation. GOP House leadership uh, projected that their legislation 
would reduce federal spending by $4.5 trillion over the next 10 years. <clears throat> McCarthy also established a bipartisan select committee on China, which is also part of the com commitment agenda. The agenda also contained a section on reducing crime and protecting public safety, in part by opposing efforts to defund the police. This week, the House is expected to vote on a bill related to policing, as well as a resolution to express support for local law enforcement officers and condemn efforts to defund or dismantle local law enforcement agencies. The Protect Our Law Enforcement with Immigration Control and Enforcement, or Police Act, of 2023 is up for vote this week. This legislation would make assaulting a law enforcement officer a deportable offense. Those are That's a lot of accomplishments. Of course, very little of it is going to be passed by the Senate, or even if it is, signed off by the President. But irrespective, the House is doing their job, and I'm just very proud and pleased with the uh, job that McCarthy is doing. Uh, he's he's doing really a terrific job. Well, we'll see. And by the way, the uh, the discussions will continue this week on some sort of an agreement on the debt limit. Hopefully, this will be resolved this week with some sort of a compromise. While Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas repeated false claims that the U.S.-Mexico border is closed and the number of illegal immigrants unlawfully crossing into the country in one day reaches an all-time high of more than 10,000. A new report says that some of the chaos is actually being managed, though not stopped, <clears throat> by federal officials. According to Todd Benzman, he's kind of a rock star, uh, latest dispatch uh, in Mexico, he published by the Center of Immigration Studies, <clears throat> there's a striking level of collusion taking place between federal board... board border agents, and Mexican authorities via an encrypted online chat room used to, t to tell Mexico when to let immigrants and migrants swim across the Rio Grande and unlawfully enter the United States. Uh, Title 42 ended, I think, on Friday night at midnight. Well, on Thursday evening, a federal judge blocked the Biden White House from implementing a policy that allows for the release of migrants without court dates just hours away from the end of the Title 42 a public health order. Judge Kent Weatherall imposed a two-week restraining order on the Biden administration, which would see migrants released on parole, with parole conditions. The order screwed with Biden's plan to lessen the pressure at the border by just letting migrants go. In other words, making them legal. They could just say, well, they're, they're here, here legally because they've been processed by Border Patrol um, <laughs> without any kind of a court date. That's just wrong. And this court uh, put a stop to that. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. 
The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Bob McClure. He's the CEO of the James Madison Institute. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. You need to check it out. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Tell us a little bit about HistoryCentral.com. History Central has been a website that's been up since before the 1996 presidential elections. It started with the history of presidential elections. It expanded to include all of American history. It includes um, addition to the American history. It includes world history, timelines and events. It includes special sections on the U.S. Navy, on aviation, on railroads, uh, different nations in the world. Um, it's a, also on all the states in the United States. So it's a comprehensive website for all of history, a great place for students to do research and to learn about things as they come. And it gets updated um, in terms of the timeline. Every couple of months is a new event reaches that level that we think it's going to be historic, we add it to the, to the timeline, obviously, and write up information about it. Again, HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. So uh, let's talk about current global events and right now a little some surprises in Turkey. Well, I don't know whether it's surprises or not. I mean, the reality is that on one hand, some of the polls showed he wasn't, that Erdogan wasn't going to win. Over the night, it looked like he might have won, but then the final tally shows that he did not make the 50%, so now there's going to have to be a runoff. Um, will he do something to you know, tilt in his favor? I'm sure he'll try. Yeah. He certainly did try in terms of the election results. He delayed some of the results from the areas that he knew would vote would be voting against him. So for a while, there was that sense that, you know, this is the same sense that was in the United States. For a while, it was he was ahead, and then he was no longer ahead once all the votes got counted. So he tried that, but uh, no one really trusts him, So and he had control. So, um, so right now, uh, there'll be a runoff in two weeks. The markets are not happy because no one likes uncertainty. They would have been happier with a certain outcome, whichever way, way it would have gone. So, yeah. it's a well, kind of an uphill. I mean, it's an uphill battle for his competitor. And by the way, absolutely. Look, he has the he has control of all the, all the levers of government. He's weakened the judiciary. Uh, there's no other power centers, but he does allow elections. So um, we'll have to see. I mean, again, I don't. I mean, I, I guess I do, but I don't understand these people that have been in power for 20 years. Yeah. You know, time, time, time to give it up. I mean, I, the United States was really, really smart after Franklin Roosevelt's. Uh, first of all, it was very smart President Washington by starting that two, two-term tradition. Roosevelt broke it. You could make an argument there were good reasons we were heading into World War II and all of those things, and I'm yeah. sure most people were happy that he was the leader during that time. On the other hand, afterwards, it was clear there was a mistake. Yeah, and so presidents should two terms. It's enough. Um, you know that, that's clearly the case, and it should be the case with Erdogan, but it doesn't seem to be. It should be the case with Netanyahu here in Israel. It doesn't seem to be. We have a bunch of leaders that keep on hanging on, um, and uh, as our founders know, predicted. Yep, very much so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Mark, this uh, uh, his competitor, and I can't even say his name. I, his, his, on, on, I don't, he, does, he has no vowels or anything in his name. 
<laughs> at least that I understand, but uh, so I couldn't pronounce his name. But irrespective, apparently he's labeled as center left and anti-military uh, when it comes to uh, government intervention or government activity. It's very hard to know. You know, everyone's trying to to position themselves different than they're on, and it's really hard to know. You really can't be anti-military because then the military will come in and have a coup. Although Edouard stopped the last one against him, so yeah. it's so hard to know. And I, I would, I would really say we'd have to wait and see. I mean, Edouard is a has always been an enigma. He came in as a liberal, ended up being an Islamist. He, you know, Turkey is part of NATO, and yet. Um, he refuses really to take sides when it comes to Ukraine and give them support. So it's um, it, it's unclear, and Erdogan's position is unclear on many things. Uh, so, you know, regardless, it's just time for a change. And yeah. I'm a very strong believer. I don't care where it is. I'm a believer in um, I, I'm a believer in two things, right? Very, very clearly, one: don't stay as president or leader for more than eight years maximum. B: if you lose, get off the table. Let someone else take over. Uh, these things, I mean, just so many leaders refused, refused to make way, which is terrible, frankly. Right. Um, and, you know, a new broom sweeps clean, is the old saying, and yet uh, it's sometimes... Right. sometimes it be totally clean, but at least some of the dirt will be, will be washed out, you know? I mean... And sometimes just brooms. a different viewpoint. I mean, the, and, and this many times this behavior is driven by conservative voters, and by conservative I mean who just don't like change. They prefer... Right, absolutely. You prefer the devil you know than the devil you don't. Right. Uh, there's some truth to that. You understand that. But on the other hand... It's not good for democracy, clearly. Right. No, you know, the biggest problem with a leader that's been in power for too long is they identify their own needs with the needs of the state. It becomes one and the same, which it obviously isn't. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what happens time and time again when someone stays in power for too long. I should point out to our it's listeners that you're in uh, Israel, in Tel Aviv right now, and, of course, we had some, uh, it was kind of a dust-up in uh, on uh, Right, absolutely. Asia. There was a... Uh, mini war or confirmation. It's hard to know what, how, how to describe it. What happened was two weeks ago, the Islamic Jihad, which is a breakaway uh, jihadi movement in Gaza, uh, launched 105 missiles at Israel because um, a Palestinian prisoner who was who was on a hunger strike died and died. And um, Israel gave a, mi a relatively minor response, but said there'd be a stronger response later. And the stronger response was an attack that killed four of the leaders of the Islamic Jihad within minutes of each other, or seconds of each other, actually, not even minutes. Simultaneously attack on all of where they were staying. And that started a round of missile attacks and Israel counterattacks and went on for five days. Nothing much was accomplished. Um, none, of, none of these things solved anything, unfortunately. Just brings some more, a little more death and a little more destruction, and no, no easy solutions to begin with, and certainly not, not with these rounds that make no sense, but happen anyway. You know? so what I don't understand is the Palestinians uh, seems to me are just at least the leaders filled with hate. They don't seem to have any kind of ideal or any kind of specific thing they'd like to accomplish except to get rid of uh, Jews. Well, the reality is that's what they want. They want to get rid of the state of Israel. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been their goal. They have not ultimately, in other words, there was fairly advanced um, negotiations with them, both during the time of Ehud Barak with Clinton and then uh, with uh, Ehud Olmert with Bush. And in both cases, both made significant, significant uh, headway, and in the end, the Palestinians walked away because they couldn't get everything they wanted. Which basically, for the for Israel, Israel was willing to give up almost all the territories con conquered in '67, but in return, it wanted an end of conflict. Yeah, and the Palestinians just wanted the territory and no end of conflict. So that's really where it came down to. And as a result, we're stuck in this endless cycle. Um, the Palestinian people suffer. And the world blames Israel, but the reality of it is that there would have been peace dozens of times over the last 70 years. All the Palestinians had to do was agree 
to accept Israel's existence. Yeah, is it? it, it is it fair to say that the Palestinians would not would prefer not to be a state or a, a country because they they could uh, be more held accountable if they in fact were uh, a state? Like no, Israel. I don't. I don't know about that because I mean they have a semi-state in Gaza with Hamas. I don't think they're more more more. You know, they they're not willing in order to be an independent state recognized. They're not willing to give up the conflict. Yeah. You know, this is a very strange situation where Israel gets blamed for the fact that they have a, a semi blockade on Gaza because they want to try to limit the amount of missiles that get in, and then people say, well, "Why do you have a blockade?" Well, you know what? When Hamas took over Gaza, all that was required from them was to say that they accept the the agreements that have been made previously and they will not attack Israel. Yeah. But they didn't. They say we're an internal war. So what does Israel supposed to do? Allow guns in? Allow missiles in? I mean, it's it's absurd. So it's an absurd situation. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's, you know, in the West Bank where it's part of it is occupied, part of it is not. It's also not good. The occupation is a terrible thing. Right. But no one knows how to end it. So it's yeah. we're in this endless cycle with no easy solutions. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, we've got to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratostel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, and his dog. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Uh, so, Mark, uh, let's turn our attention to Thailand, some uh, some elections uh, going on there, and maybe you could talk about them and their significance. Right, so there's elections in Thailand. The two parties that were most against the monarchy and the military uh, gained the most votes. They gained enough votes to probably create a coalition, but the prime minister can veto it. It's not quite clear how they're going to form a government or if they're going to be able to form a government, but clearly the will of the people in Thailand is A, turning away from the monarchy and turn away, turning away from, from the military. So those are both good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, um, we'll have to see. Um, very hard, once again, very hard to remove people in power, and of course the whole issue of monarchies is a, is a whole other story, obviously. There, although there's a tradition of a monarchy in Thailand, is there not? Yes, there is. Yeah. For many years. 
So let's move. Um, let's move to uh, Ukraine, uh, the continuing saga of Ukraine. Right. Well, it looks like some ver- some <coughs> some part of a um, uh, of a counteroffensive has begun. It's not clear whether it's only in the Bakhmut area where they've made, retaken a significant amount of ground on all the flanks to Bakhmut. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, I am of the opinion um, that the Russian army is going to collapse at one point. This will be 1917 all over again, mm. and just <clears throat> just collapse at one at one point. Um, they just do not have trained personnel. They don't have people who are committed to the battle. Uh, they're just not not ready. And on the other hand, the the Ukrainians took forty, fifty thousand men off the front line, sent them some to Germany, some to the UK, to different places, and got advanced training. Uh, learned how to operate as in battalion-sized groups in integrated combat. I think we're going to see some major changes, and I think the Russians are going to fall apart. But I could be wrong. Well, was... We did see yesterday the somebody behind Russian lines <laughs> down six Russian aircraft. Hmm. So um, it's not quite clear whether it was the Ukrainians pushed their anti-aircraft missile batteries right up to the front line and then were able to cover part of the Russian area or not, but that took place too. What kind of planes? That, um, two fighter jets, uh, two transports, and two helicopters, from wow. what I understand. That's a big deal. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Yep. So in the meantime, uh, Zelensky is uh, traveling. He's kind of hopping around the world here. Yeah, he's been to Germany, and he's been to um, France, and I actually had a, off, off the air, I said he wasn't in England, but as we were off the air, I scrolled my Twitter feed, and there was a picture of him being greeted as he landed by helicopter in England by the British Prime Minister. So he's in England, England right now. Um, he's garnering support. Wherever he goes, people don't say no to him. They don't always give him exactly what he asks for, or they don't end up keeping totally to their bargains, but they're giving him a lot more than ever before. And um, all the militaries of Europe are rearming themselves. Again, you know, we've discussed this before. It's a real challenge because of what's happened over the last 20 years in terms of manufacturing capabilities, in terms of armaments. So we've had all sorts of ideas and things that have taken place, and arms plants that were shuttered in Eastern Europe that are now working again Eastern Europe, but but within you know within NATO and places like Romania and uh, Czech Republic and those sort of places. Um, a lot of arms manufacturing plants are being brought back online. It takes time to do that, but um, it's a major challenge. And again, you know, the world and certainly the American military didn't expect a high intensity. Of warfare that would last this period of time well thinking back on part of the uh, russian strategy was to freeze them out so to speak to cut off their supply of energy and to uh, make it so that people would freeze to death in the ukraine but uh what's happened to that strategy and what's going on failed completely total look they had double failure first they had hoped to freeze europe right that was the idea they were going to cut off energy supplies and europe would come begging and stop supporting ukraine well, guess what? The end result is at this point, Europe is almost 100%. By next winter, Europe will be 100% independent of, Europe, of, of Russian uh, oil and gas. How, how did that so, take, play, take place? took place in two ways. One, um, using other, other sources that had been closed, mines that have been closed, oil fields that have been closed. B, importing gas from many different places, including the United States, which they were not importing until now. And see, uh, conservation. I mean, more and more of Europe is moving over to um, to clean energy. I mean, there was an article recently in Norway, over 60% of the cars on the, well, over 90% of the cars being sold at this point are electric. And in Oslo itself, about 50% of the cars on the road are now electric. And so that uses a lot less gasoline, obviously. They need, they need, they need whatever for power plants, but they don't need anything uh, to operate uh, the cars, which is a big deal. So I have a theory, um, so, I, and I'd, I'd like to run it by you and get your feedback, but uh, right now, of course, we're, they're seeing the escalating cost of energy uh, throughout the globe, and it's primarily because of the, uh, the green movement. Uh, but uh, my thought is that uh, somehow, some way, the green movement could start to embrace gas, natural gas as a solution, and, and, and declare it to be quote-unquote green, 
uh, therefore lowering the of course it would uh, gas would go up in price, but it would lower the cost of gas around the globe and uh, make things more manageable, especially come up to an election here in the United States. Well, I don't know. It's hard to know. What is clear at this point is building solar energy plants is now uh, cheaper than building a coal plant mm-hmm. in terms of the cost of the energy, etc. So uh, I think we're going to see the power of the marketplaces taking over very quickly. Mm. Uh, so much so we have reverse regulation in Texas where they're trying uh, to ban uh, or to give incentives only for fossil fuel power and not for for solar power, which has become the solar power has become the big one of the biggest employers in in Texas. Texas is a good place for solar energy, obviously, um, sunny and dry. But um, we're going to see a major change. It's taking place right now because the price has just gone down. You know, when you manufacture enough of something and you're in a technology that is moving forward. I mean, there's nothing really happening in in fossil fuels, right? I mean, maybe a little bit on the pollution side, but there's no great breakthroughs. But in solar energy, you're having breakthroughs every year in terms of efficiency and everything else. So the price keeps on dropping, and at this point, it's just cheaper. Yeah. I mean, so it makes me wonder what's going to happen to those panels, though, in 12 or 15 years when, they, when they're no longer useful and where they're going to be, where are they going to put them? I think there's going to be a, a real price to be paid. I think, again, I don't, why would they stop working in 15 years? Oh, that's the, I've heard the life of those panels is uh, 12 to 15 years, something like that. Okay, I'm not sure that's correct, but let's say it is. I'm sure there's, there will be solutions. The reality is, um, you know, again, the market will determine ultimately. Yeah. And that's what we all want, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. So. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check out the website. It's terrific, especially for young people in your life. Really turn them on to history. HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Bob McClure. He is the CEO of uh, the uh, James Madison Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. 
Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I served as board chairman for 15 years and very proud of the progress we made. And now building a performing arts center in downtown Naples is going to be absolutely beautiful. I think it's going to open up in 2024, if I'm not mistaken. But they're doing running performances right now, and you should get to the website, uh, golfshoreplayhouse.org. You can get tickets and more information. Again, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Well, in a blistering critique, a federal judge late Saturday denied Biden Justice Department's request to stay a temporary restraining order blocking the release of illegal immigrants to the United States without court dates. U.S. District Judge Kent Weatherall II, a Trump appointee in Florida, called the Biden administration's request for an emergency stay borderline frivolous and, quote-unquote, chicken little. Remember that? The sky's falling. Well, the rule left the DOJ to seek relief from the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, a move which earlier in the day officials said they were prepared to do. The judge said the administration had no basis to release migrants in the country's interior without a court date now that the Trump-era Title 42 policy has expired. DHS has lit uh, chicken little arguments about the impact of it not being uh, able to misuse payroll parole under the either policy as a processing tool for the surge of aliens arriving in the border are hard to square with the DHS's secretary, that would be Mayorkas, recent comments that only a fraction of the people that we encounter would be paroled into the country and that a vast majority of that will be addressed in our Border Patrol facilities and ICE detention facilities, Weatherall wrote. Earlier in the day, Biden Justice Department had sought an emergency order allowing it to continue releasing illegal aliens into the United States. Department of Justice attorneys had asked Weatherall for a two-week restraining order on the Biden administration policy. The administration informed the court that it intends to appeal Weatherall's ruling to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. The Biden administration's policy was described as in a Border Patrol memo this week saying the migrant can be allowed into the country on parole if... Uh, The Border Patrol is facing overcrowding. The parole process is typically reserved for urgent humanitarian reasons or significant uh, public benefit. The administration argues that the restraining order on its parole policy would irreparably harm the United States and the public by frustrating measures that are necessary to secure the border and protect the health and welfare of both migrants and Border Patrol agents, the filing states. That's good news. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody argued the state's lawsuit that the parole with conditions policy was materially identical to the policy blocked by Weatherall in March, and he agreed that with that assessment in his order. Weatherall was not persuaded by the government's arguments that blocking migrant releases will cause harm. Putting aside the fact that even President Biden recently acknowledged that the border has been in chaos for a number of years, defendants' doomsday rhetoric rings hollow because... As explained in the uh, detail in Florida, this problem is largely one the defendant's own making, that being of the Biden administration, through the adoption of an implementation of policies that have encouraged the so-called irregular migration that has become fairly regular over the last two years, he wrote. So thank you, Judge. I mean, you're standing up for us and American people. Some don't see this a lot, but it's really refreshing <clears throat> to uh, read about your re- ruling here. Now, let's talk about consequences. Mayor Eric Adams of New York is facing serious challenges due to the immigration policy issues under the current regime. Over the past few months, several thousand undocumented migrants have arrived in New York City, and as a result, the city's taxpayers have had to spend millions to provide for them. These individuals have been housed in a minimum of 14 different hotels, by the way, at no cost to them. According to NBC News correspondent, the city estimates that taking care of undocumented immigrants will cost $4 billion by next year. As Title 242 expired, more and more illegal immigrants were brought to New York via bus. The New York Post reported that a nonprofit foundation that helps veterans claims its 20 homeless and struggling veterans were evicted were evicted from upstate hotels to make room for arriving undocumented inter- immigrants. So we're taking people who are fought for the, for the United States of America, homeless veterans, we're kicking them out of the hotels to give free board to uh, illegal immigrants. Does that make sense? Unbelievable, America today. 
According to the report, the hotel staff informed a military veteran and a 24-year-old who had been previously served in Afghanistan and required urgent assistance that their accommodation would no longer be available and they would need to, re- to locate to alternative lodging. Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. So sad we're not taking care of our veterans. Uh, that would not be happening under Donald Trump. Well, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom announced a revised budget plan to address the state's $32 billion deficit. This is unbelievable. $32 billion deficit in the state of California. Since January, the state deficit has grown by $10 billion, as reported by AP. While the state's budget is balanced this year, in the coming years, the state is committed to spending more money than it received from taxpayers. In the current tax system, the state receives 50% of its taxpayer dollars from 1% of the population. By the way, when's the 1% of the population going to figure out they need to move to some other place? That's another question. When the economy and the stock market are doing well, the state will receive more in taxes. But when the economy is on the brink of recession, the wealthy will pay less tax. Uh, The press release stated that while the May revision does not forecast a recession, it recognizes increased risk to the budget since January that could significantly change the state's uh, fiscal trajectory in the near term. Taking this into account, the plan reflects $37.2 billion in total budget reserves, including $22 billion in a state budget stabilization account. This is not an easy budget, but I hope you see uh, we are trying to do our best to hold the line and take care of the most vulnerable and the most needy, but still maintain uh, prudence, said Newsom. Uh, Governor Newsom's latest proposal calls for spending reduction of $1 billion and the rest of the deficit he's covering by taking money from state safety net and uh, reserve borrowing. While uh, Newsom said he was able to protect key issues that matter the most to Californians, Assembly Republican leader James Gallagher said uh, uh, Newsom's revised budget proposal cuts critical programs which will continue to fund money to fail projects like the high-speed rail. So from $10 billion on the plus side to $30 billion on the negative side, and by the way, do you think that this is going to be able to accommodate any kind of reparations program to the uh, blacks in California? I don't think so. I think that's down the tubes as well. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policies. They help prepare elected officials to get into the state legislatures and have winning strategies. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He tried, retired about three years ago, I think it was. And since then, he's been writing some great, riveting murder mysteries. His first was Follow the Leader. Its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, and his latest book is No Problem. Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, Bob. I actually retired in 2015. It seems like Wow. Has it been that long? <laughs> That's unbelievable. Eight years. I, I, I know. And as all retirees know, uh, the calendar suddenly accelerates. The clock goes around twice as fast. Yeah. And uh, so, but I, I still uh, keep uh, incredibly uh, busy uh, following the economy and politics, which is what I did at uh, Barron's when I was Washington editor. We called it uh, standing at the intersection of Wall Street and Pennsylvania Avenue. But, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking about today, there, there's a G7 meeting in Japan today. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you see a, a, an old name in the headlines, Rahm Emanuel, mm-hmm. you know, the former congressman, former mayor of Chicago, yeah. former White House chief of staff for Obama. He all but disappeared from uh, domestic uh, news. And the reason was he, he accepted uh, an appointment by Biden to be ambassador to Japan. And one, one, let, me, let me insert here, Jim. Didn't he also have kind of a rough time as, as mayor of Chicago? Uh, yes, the pro- progressives went after him Yeah, because he, he was accused of covering up a tape of a police shooting of a young black uh, kid named Laquan <clears throat> McDonald for a year. The, the, the tape, which was from a cop's uh, camera, showed the cops shooting the kid 16 times you know wow. he, he jumped out of he jumped out of a police car and shot him and and the the kid although he had a knife was not a imminent threat to anybody mm-hmm. so so the mayor didn't re- release the um, camera footage because he said he wanted a, an independent investigation of the incident mm-hmm. to go forward you know, and, and he didn't want to interfere with the investigation. And people like uh, AOC, progressives, uh, people on the left accused him of covering up. Uh, other people said he was acting ethically and according to the laws, uh, rules. So, so he's not popular among the left in his own party. I mean, um, I'm an ind- independent. I registered Republican because I wanted to vote against a specific candidate in Pennsylvania. Uh, but I would love to see the Democrats nominate a good candidate for president for the good of the country. Now, personally, I think almost any former governor of Virginia, where I, I used to live, I live in Pennsylvania now, but uh, I think the former uh, governors of uh, Virginia would make great Democratic presidential candidates. Uh, how about how about Robert Kennedy, Jr.? I well, think, he wasn't a four. I think okay. I think he's a fantastic. Have you read uh, the real Anthony Fauci? I have, and I I have I agree with some of it, but but a lot of it is um, uh, if you tried to footnote it, you couldn't. It's it's just conjecture, and it's it's based on. Uh, rumor as opposed to facts. So well, I, but he so, he's, uh, footnoted the book so eloquently and so completely, that surprises me, that point of view. Uh-huh. I thought, though, that he has baggage like uh, drug usage. And, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm repeating a, a, a rumor that has no f- factual basis, but um, All right. hmm. I don't know enough about him. Uh, I think Rahm Emanuel would be wonderful because uh, Donald <clears throat> Trump on, on the Republican side has really made it possible for abrasive males <laughs> to run for president. Uh-huh. 
and Rahm Emanuel is abrasive. He's uh, he's all elbows and mouth, but he gets things. You know, he gets things done. And uh, when he was nominated by Biden to be governor of or um, ambassador to Japan, it was Republicans who enabled him to be nominated because. Uh, because of democratic opposition. I mean, if if the vote had occurred exclusively along party lines, Rahm Emanuel would not have been nominated uh, to be the uh, ambassador to Japan. Um, so he took the job. Uh, apparently, Biden thought he was too radioactive for positions and domestic positions in the huh. administration. So, uh, which is a shame because... Uh, Plus he didn't have any of the identity politics <laughs> requirements. <laughs> he wasn't a cross-dresser. <laughs> he I know, I know. So he's, I mean, he's five foot seven. He's feisty. Yeah. He's smart. He can be obnoxious. Uh, he's perfect for today's politics. Um so I, I, you know, for the for the sake of uh, the United States, I hope I hope that the Democrats replace or challenge Biden for the nomination. There are a lot of uh, good men on on the uh, Democratic side, and and they're all standing in the wings. Uh, I think maybe they're hoping that. Um, you know, something that Biden shoots himself in the foot and takes himself out of the running so they can't be accused of yeah. uh, uh, being disloyal. I, I must say this, Jim. I'm, uh, I'm, this I find this extremely edifying and it's interesting conversation because I didn't know this about Rahm Emanuel. I didn't know that he was uh, an outcast to the left. Uh, he certainly, I mean, he was uh, uh, had a high position. Commander uh, Chief of Staff, I believe, under uh, uh, the Obama administration. I thought he was, a, he would, be, I think he's very smart. I think you're right. He'd make a great candidate. I, for one, though, as you probably can tell from my point of view, if we if we had to have a Democrat president, I would prefer Robert Kennedy Jr. All, over all others. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just don't know about, enough about Robert Kennedy to make a judgment. <clears throat> but to your point, uh, there are good Democratic candidates in the wings. I guess Kennedy is is the most um, vocal of the lot. Yeah, he's um, smartest and, too. Yeah, and, and God help America if uh, uh, Biden runs again. I mean, because uh, you know it looks in the polls that in a in a Trump Biden election, Trump would trounce him, but. Who knows? <laughs> you know, and, and who wants to take that risk? Well, and then the question, of course, is the old uh, Trotsky question is, is, is who counts the votes? Because <laughs> that, that was the problem in the last election. I believe, of course, I, I just know that Biden didn't win that election. It was uh, There were so many things going on that interfered with election results that, uh, uh, quite frankly, we've got to just figure out some way to make sure that our elections, there's integrity in our election process. Uh, yeah, I had sources, by the way, that told me that uh, Ronald <laughs> in his second election because they uh, illegally, two separate sources, both deceased now, hmm. who told me they used uh, Pentagon computers that were uh, designed to target Soviet cities with nuclear missiles. They used it to do a county-by-county uh, -county, uh, demographic analysis of the United States to help... Uh, target advertising for that second campaign so uh, you know both i i think cheating as we saw in, in uh, watergate uh as we see uh in on the democratic side is um it's stitched into our politics and to your point you know we really need to uh, clean up the system and there's been, I think, some good movement in that direction, but we're certainly not done with it, for sure. We can just see what's going on right now in Arizona. Uh, but fortunately, we're seeing uh, Carrie Lake make some progress in, in her court case. So perhaps, uh, what her name is, uh, is not going to end up being governor. We'll see. Uh, Jim McTague, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, I encourage you to read his uh, novels. His latest is No Problem. Really entertaining and a fun read. No Problem by Jim McTagg. MC, capital T-A-G-U-E. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed.
Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow, including our uh, uh, Senate, State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadomo. Boo Mortensen will be with us. Uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we spread the word and reward our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>